This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast. It is Monday, February 12th which means it's the day after the Super Bowl. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about this Super Bowl and what happened, including all the fanfare that the Super Bowl delivered over time. It was great drama. The whole thing, I think, worked yesterday for people who stood up, uh, stayed up that late to, to watch the actual conclusion. Of course, the Mike Masnelli podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers, the great people at Bet Rivers. And uh, I don't know if you placed any bets on the Super Bowl. I'm sure you did. A lot of people saved their money for the for the last football game of the year where they load up on the Super Bowl. And you know, we told you last week that the Chiefs were the play, and uh, they wound up winning. Uh, and I go, I don't know how. They, they, they were outplayed mostly the whole game. But we'll talk about the bets. We'll talk about all the prop bets that we put out there last week, which ones came through, all that kind of thing. The over-under, I believe, was 47. It hit it right on the nose. And the Chiefs wind up winning again. You know, um, I got a bow to Andy Reid. I, I have not been a big fan of Andy Reid from from his time here in Philadelphia. And I know that, uh, you know, he created a, a pretty good era of football here in Philadelphia. Something about him that just didn't resonate with me. But he goes to Kansas City, the perfect environment for the guy. And he's just, he, he's, cre- he's carved out a Hall of Fame coaching career. Uh, and I bow to him. But I, I also bow to him for being lucky enough to have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. If you have a quarterback that can make magic, you become a very good coach. Now, he's a very good coach. His schemes are really good. He hires good assistants. He's got Matt Nagy in there now on the offensive side, and he's got Steve Spagnuolo on the defensive side who came through again for him. But you can't argue with his resume now, and he's going to continue to coach, I guess, because I don't know, what would he do? If he's not coaching, I mean, he's a coach and he's going to stay there forever, probably till he's 70 years old. So uh, let's look at the game. Uh, first of all, Mahomes, you know, when, when you need something to happen, he's there to make it happen. So in overtime, the 49ers kicked a field goal and I go, uh, yeah, had to score a touchdown there, Skippy. Uh, and Mahomes takes him right down the field. 75 yards, 13 plays with a beautifully designed play. That touchdown play was beautifully designed because it almost, with, with the way Kelsey ran that pattern, it almost acted like a pick. And, and you kind of got lost in the shuffle with Miko Hardman. All of a sudden, he's wide up. Just a beautifully designed play. And you appreciate that kind of thing. After you watch the Eagles season and didn't see any great design plays. So uh, the Chiefs, I, I, don't, I don't like the Chiefs. I don't like to see them win. It especially irritates me that in this city, there is a Chiefs fan base and a Kansas City Chiefs bar in the heart of South Philadelphia, which I don't understand. But uh, they win the game on on a game-winning touchdown in overtime. Couldn't ask for anything more. If you're televising the game, you couldn't ask for anything more of the drama. Now, for most of the game, I'm looking at the game, and I'm going, well, San Francisco looks like the better team. And all of a sudden, I look at the board, and they're only up 10 to 3. And I'm going, "They, they should be up. By a lot more. They're they're playing this game a lot better than the Chiefs. They're only up 10 to 3. Then they go double digits. And there's this really crazy statistic about what Patrick Mahomes throws with double digits. He usually comes back and wins the game. And it's, that's exactly what happened. Now, uh, I gotta credit Spagnola because he he limited the 49ers from scoring a lot of points. They were moving the football up and down. Christian McCaffrey fumbled away. The first drive looked like going to be a touchdown drive. But Spagnuolo always had the the second and third down defenses that curtailed them where they didn't put a lot of points on the board, and it kept Kansas City in the game. And, of course, there was the punt return blunder. And I know there's a lot of people that look at the punt return and they go, well, you can't blame the guy, Daryl Luter, for, uh, you know, he has back to the play. The ball is his heel. What are the chances of that? But here's who I can blame. Ray Ray McLeod. What is he trying to do? Pick the ball up there. 
he saw the play. He he reacted before anybody did. He saw it hit his teammates' heel. Cover the freaking football up. What are you at that point? What are you doing trying to pick it up? Like so, a lot of people are looking at that guy. You don't look at the main culprit. You got to cover the football there if you're Ray Ray McLeod, and that leads to a one play touchdown for Kansas City. You gifted him seven. You just gifted him seven. They couldn't score a touchdown until that, and you gave him seven points. Uh, there's also, uh, of course, Jason, uh, not Jason, but Travis Kelsey's antics on the sideline. And, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I saw it, and I go, that's Latrell Sprewell. Latrell Sprewell came out of the locker room. He choked P.J. at Carlissimo. It, was like, okay, no, it wasn't as, as bad as that, but my God, how in the world can you do that? You bump your coach, and you get in his face like that. And the broadcast, let it alone. You know, if that was a a bad boy instead of Travis Kelsey, who's the world's most popular man right now, I guarantee you that commentators would be talking about that. He got away unscathed by the broadcasting team for doing something like that. Uh, conversely, the tight end in this matchup of the tight ends, there was a really interesting over-under yardage for George Kittle, and I said under. Um. He stunk. What did he do in that game? He looked like he was like totally disengaged. He, what he did? He, he did he catch? What he catch? Two passes or what, one pass for two yards was something ridiculous. You can't be invisible in a game like that if you're a player like like kid. And you and you have to find a way to get the ball to him if you're Shanahan. So I got to blame both those guys for not really being engaged. And here's the bottom line: I, I, a lot of people like to rip Brock Purdy. And I, I think it's misguided. He doesn't dazzle you with talent. I get it. But he makes some really good passes. But in a matchup against Patrick Mahomes, you lose. <laughs> right? It's just, it's really just as simple as that. You're not good enough to match up with Patrick Mahomes. And that was the bottom line. And the 49ers continue to lose in big spots. Now let's look at Mahomes and what he did because his his numbers passing the football were gaudy but how about him running the ball running the ball broke their back he ran for 23 yards on two carries on that final drive including a fourth and one conversion where they thought he was going to get the ball to Kelsey and he and he wisely kept it he ran for 66 uh, yards in the game with 153 left in regulation he engineers an 11 play 64 yard uh, tie, uh, field goal tying drive um he, he he's down three-time MVP at age 28. He tied Joe Money, who was in the building last night. I don't know if anybody caught this or anybody knows the history of Joe Money's wife. Her name is Jennifer. He met her because he did, when he, in his playing days, he did a Noxzema shaving cream commercial. And she was the blonde in the commercial who said, that creamy, creamy, and splashed the shaving cream on his face, and he went up and married her. I don't know if anybody caught that, but she was there. And it's modeled from long ago in a commercial. There I go. There's this Noxzema girl. There she is. Mike, I got a, I got a follow-up story to that about yes, Joe sir. Montana and his wife. So of course, this is producer Darren. Yes. How are you? Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. That's all right. Go ahead. All right. So Montana um, – when he was playing, they had phones on the sideline. Uh, you remember the Donald McNabb where he ran over mm-hmm. and picked up the phone? Sideline mm-hmm. phones where he, that's how back then they would talk to the coordinators in the booth. Well, he, in his younger days of playing, thought, I wonder if I can get an outside line here. And he hit nine and it got him an outside line. So what he did was, this is during a game, he called his wife at home and said, Hey, sweetheart, how you doing? She's like, what are you doing? He goes, I got some time. The defense is out on the field. And that became a thing for him. And he would call her every game. Wow. Road or home stadium. I always thought that. that was cool. Yeah. And in that same commercial, I believe before that, it was Farrah Fawcett creaming Joe Namath in that commercial, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, that's just I a think little side right. note that uh, that means really nothing except when they shot the Joe Montana. I noticed that his wife Jennifer was right there. She still looks pretty good. She's aged like Christy Brinkley. The Chiefs have won three of the last five Super Bowls, two in a row. Next year, they'll probably be favored to win another one. It's absolutely ridiculous as we sit here and struggle with a team that lost six of their last seven games and look clueless and now have a defensive end who wants out. 
Anyway, in overtime, the strategy is interesting because the overtime rules were different than the regular season rules as far as who was going to get the ball. If you get the ball first, you score. The other team still gets a chance. Now, Kyle Shanahan took the ball, and I think he did the right thing. He took the ball, and his rationale was this. If he scores and they come down and they score, he's got the ball the third time when the overtime shifts to sudden death. So he would have the chance to actually win the game without the other team coming back. And I guess he gave Mahomes a lot of credit thinking that, well, if we score, that that guy's going to come back and score anyway. So the most important possession is the third one. And when you think about it, it made a lot of sense. Uh, But they only scored a field goal on the first drive. And in a game like that, if you take the ball, you better score a damn touchdown against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Darren? Well, one thing to add to that, Mike, with the new uh, playoff overtime rules that kicked in this year, even if the Niners scored a touchdown there, Kansas City would still get the ball. Both yes. teams, regardless of scores, have to get the ball. So, yes. and a lot of people didn't realize that. Probably people freaked yeah, out. Well, that's What's what I said. happening? The, the, the overtime rules were different. Right. Exactly. And, and so, so he looked at the third possession, and that was, I guess, pretty smart. But the 49ers said after the game that, they didn't even know the new rules that they, that they weren't discussed with the team. I don't know if that should matter at all because you go out on the field and freaking score or stop the other team. It's really all you have to remember. But the Chiefs apparently went over it for two weeks of preparation. Uh, and maybe that's overkill, but uh, it just points out the level of preparation that Andy Andy Reid has with his team. And after the game, he was very happy. Uh, you know, he got hugs and kisses. From everybody, he got to with his lovely wife Tammy on the stage. There, you saw it, and and uh, unbelievably, Taylor Swift. I didn't think the security Taylor's security was going to allow her on the field, and she's down on the field with the uh, you know Gaga eyes with uh, Travis Kelsey. Who, uh, listen, man, I'm done with him. Okay, I, uh, you know, he, I, I took Jason Kelsey in that mummer speech. I got it because they won the Super Bowl for the first time in a really long time. City was jacked up. He had the Mummers thing on. All right, I'll tolerate that once. But now the brother tries to replicate it with a lot of bravado. And I'm sure the Kansas City Chiefs fans ate it up. But he's wearing on me. She doesn't wear on me. He wears on me. I don't know what it is. And I'm not even a big Taylor Swift fan. Oh, I wonder why she doesn't wear on me. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, don't, I really don't have a reaction to Taylor Swift. I really don't. The only reaction I have are the people that get bothered by the fact that the camera shoots up to her. And I, I look at it from a TV perspective, not from a Taylor Swift fan perspective. I go, that's a show. That's part of a storyline of a broadcast. So that's why you cut after her. But here's what I want. Like, who are all these people that are with her? Are these her her friends that she invites in the like? Who are all these people? I know Brittany Mahomes is in there, but who are these other people that are hugging and kissing? Yeah, Blake Lively's one of them. She is friends with. I didn't see Blake Lively in there, and I wouldn't notice. She had the white tank top. She was there the whole time. Really? And that's Ryan Reynolds' wife, and they're all kind of friends with her. And she, I'm a fan. But that's why, like, I didn't notice her because I'm, and I would have because I'm a big fan. But who who was the the curly haired person? Like the the really young looking little blonde there. Like who are these people? Yeah, someone named Ice Spice. I guess she's an artist, a musical artist. I I Ice Spice is big. She was in a commercial. Ice that was Ice Spice. I think so. I know she was there. I don't know what she looks like. Oh man, you got to know who Ice Spice is. (laughs) She's hotter than hot. You're such a country bumpkin, man. (laughs) All right, so that was Ice Spice. I know Ice Spice. That's why I want to know who are these people. Now, Ice Spice, Spice. I, she had the little, uh, the Annie Oakley uh, wig on, the Annie, uh, <laughs> Annie wig on? Yeah, like Annie. Her. All right, that was Ice Spice. All right, because she was in, also in a commercial. Uh, okay, I, I, I got it. Uh, now, now listen, it's, it's classic high school girl giggly stuff, <laughs> right? It's, all, it's really all it is. It's not like like adults watching a football game and being like, they're all giddy. And like, it's like cheerleader esque, which all right, whatever. Uh, I guess they're young enough to pull that off. But you know, I just wonder how many, like, who are these people that are in there? Cause the cast seems to change. And, and I'm wondering if like, she has power to invite as many people as she wants into the suite. I know how difficult it is to get into a suite, but I guess if you're Taylor Swift, more to me okay, yeah come on in yeah whatever you're for taylor come on in i know you don't have a ticket but 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 come on in and sit and sit up there plus that's not even the kansas city home game that's vegas you know she has yeah. All right. carte blanche 
<laughs> okay. Good job uh, by Taylor. Uh, all right, let's look at some um, – the fanfare of the game is spectacular. So let's look at some of the pregame stuff. Uh, the CBS broadcast opened with a, a, a tribute that a lot of people thought was excellent with the My Way and the whole bit. I, I, I have a tendency to look at those things as overdramatic, and I know people really dig it because they're, they're romanticized with football. Those things don't move me as much as other people. Did it move you, Darren? It, it didn't move me nearly as much as the vodka drink I had in my hand. Let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, and then the pregame stuff, or the anthems and all that stuff. Uh, Post Mal- I didn't think Post Malone dazzled with America the Beautiful. And I, I know you're a big Post fan. But, it was kind of like boring what he did, America the Beautiful. No? Yeah, I, I wasn't overly excited about his performance either all right let's get to the big topic the halftime show there are a lot of people that get wowed and and were wowed by by usher and company's performance uh of the halftime show and they say well it was the best one ever i have uh, people have a tendency i think to when they see something right away they they automatically put that in 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 their brain as the best uh i thought it was okay i i i wasn't overly wowed by it i think that um Interestingly enough, that Usher uh, is not a big enough name to not share the stage with anybody. Like, like he couldn't have carried 15 minutes. What he did was was interesting, and you know, I know he added a little prop, which won him points with a lot of people because that paid tribute to the Atlanta kind of hip hop roller skating thing. And Atlanta, that's a big thing down there. So he he paid tribute to that in the Big A, uh, but. He had to share the stage with a lot of performers. And he brought out Alicia Keys and uh, he brought out Lil John and Ludacris makes an appearance and Jermaine Dupree and Will I Am and one of my personal favorites, her. She can wail some guitar, that her. But that's six other acts in that whole whole thing. So I think it, while it was well choreographed and I think it was well planned and it was interesting. I think it's an indication that, like, if you throw somebody like Prince out there, he's going to carry that thing. guy like Usher is going to need some help. Do you agree? Totally agree. And I thought the best part of the halftime show was Alicia. She looks spectacular in red. I think she's gorgeous. Yeah, I do, too. You know, before anything. So, and I thought she looked great in that red dress. But, again, I thought as far as a spectacle, it should have been bigger. It's Vegas. should have been bigger. It was a little... eh. Little eh for me. Okay. Yeah, I know when he first came out, he's on the on the field. And they got a lot of dancers on the field. And I go, they're gonna rip this field up here. And then finally it, it I thought the whole thing was gonna be done on the field. I'm going, this can't be good for the football. Uh, but then, you know, they got the stages. It's amazing the way they put that whole thing together and choreographic it choreograph it and the sound text and all and all that thing. So uh I I'll give uh, I'll give it a thumbs up. Uh, to to the show, I, I I can't really rank Super Bowl shows because I think we have a tendency our brains get get muddy, and the last one we see we go oh, that was really good that had to be the best. It's like you watch that game uh, last night and you go uh, wow that that was the best Super Bowl ever when, when it really wasn't it was good, but uh, it's it's hard to rank because your memory uh, plays tricks on you. Uh, okay, so now let's uh, let's look at um, our commercials. And I know this is a big thing with, with a lot of people. It's really difficult to tell who are, are the good commercials and, and which ones are because they're so it's so subjective when you look at these commercials. Like, did you see one commercial that you thought was way better than the rest? And let me guess what you're going to say. You're going to say the Christopher Walken one was the best because you like Christopher Walken. I, I and you thought the parody of that whole thing was was good. That, that was your number one. Am I right? I, you know, I don't really have a number one yesterday, uh, but I did enjoy that one. That's one of the few I enjoyed. I like, you know, I'm a big Deadpool guy, so the trailer, the twister, or the, uh, the teaser for the trailer kind of was amusing to me. But other than that, there's nothing really that stood out to me. I mean, the one with the guy and his daughter and the connection, I guess that's, I mean, usually those types of commercials move me. Cause you know, I'm one, the one with the, the, where he took this, her little skater daughter to the grandma's house. No, he's on the couch. About. She's trying to get her to watch the game. She's listening to Taylor Swift. 
And then he starts to like listen to Taylor and does, you know, she's doing her makeup. They get involved. He shows her that she, you know, Taylor's part of the game. And then they, they, at the end of the commercial, they're watching the game together. What he wanted. Yeah. I, I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the one where the guy, uh, the grandma missed the, the girl's performance. And he, so he took her to the grandma's house in his Kia and she skated uh, on the ice in front of that house. And grandma was looking out the window. That, that got that me a little bit. And also, yeah. I thought the, the Google Pixel commercial with the, the uh, sight-impaired uh, gentleman, and uh, they showed uh, how the, <laughs> how clear that. he could see it through the Google Pixel phone was, was pretty good. Yeah. But like, I'm going to go to the New York Times here. And they, they obviously like the walking one. They like the Mountain Dew one with Aubrey Plaza flat uh, affects her way through life with the help of a carbonated citrus beverage. Here's the thing about like commercials. I, I wanted to stay glued to every commercial, but I couldn't because I get itchy and I'll go to the bathroom or I'll go to the kitchen and go grab a snack. Or, so I'll miss the commercials that way. So I'm in, and I'm not really like uh, sitting there grading every one. Now there's one for Squarespace with the aliens come to earth and they can't get their attention until the, you know, that when Martin Scorsese is in a limo, not getting reset. Yeah, yeah he directed it, it too. I think it was great. Lynn's a chocolate ball, hops around the world to Perry Como's round and round. Eh. A, a quiet place, day one. And the Peter Young's face in Alien Invasion and a prequel film to John Krasinski's A Quiet Place. There, there was the uh, uh, Dunkin' Donuts uh, commercial, which a lot of people like, where Ben Affleck tried to impress Jennifer Lopez. He busted in on her session with a lot of Boston dudes, Matt Damon, Tom Brady, uh, the whole bit. A lot of people like that Dunkin' Donuts one. Um, there was the, uh, let's see, Bet MGM with Tom Brady, Vince Vaughn trying to get people uh, who uh, are, are not, uh, Tom Brady not allowed to use the betting service because he's won so too much. And so he's picking, and then Brady at the end, looks up and he sees uh he says that i thought it would be bigger like big tribute to him brady was in a lot of commercials uh and it, it kind of worked for him uh then you had cardi b rapping about the lip gloss with the nyx cosmetics the apartments.com um where i i don't like that guy <laughs> what's his name Eugene Levy's son, who's on um, oh Steve is it Steve? It's no, Creek. Yeah, but he I was. But I, but I really like Heidi Gardner, and they and they paired up to do this uh, apartments.com thing. Well, uh, Jeff Goldblum was in the apartments.com, but the spinoff was the the homes.com that they were doing. Um, and there was uh, let's see, uh, yeah, the Kia commercial was the Kia commercial with the pop up ice rink, uh, the Coors uh, Light Train. Uh, there was uh, a Volkswagen uh, with uh, the Beetle, the Doritos, uh, Verizon with Beyonce. A lot of people like that one. Uh, the cold brew, the fizzy. Uh, that what, what is that new soda? That they're trying to go against Sprite. Uh, that was uh, mildly amusing. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's like it's got it's like one so, word. So none of them really stood out to you. How about the Zach Brat and Donald Faison uh, uh, joining Jason Momoa? For a flash dance uh, thing, I thought that wasn't bad. You see that nah, one? I, those three. See, my problem with Super Bowl commercials is I'm the, I go to the same place every year. I go to my uncle's house. There's a ton of people. Uh, there's only there's a few TVs throughout the house that has low volume, and then there's a projector in the big room on a sheet, and that's where I stand. So I can't always hear them, and so it's tough with a lot of noise. All right, I'm gonna guess you agent, were relaxing about, alone did, did with you, a cigar and watching the game. Okay. Did you notice Agent State Farm Arnold Schwarzenegger's commercial? Yes, I, I saw that one before the Super Bowl. I, they kind yeah, of, where, where he's d doing it in his own accent. Well, you know, that's mildly amusing. Agent, Agent State Farm. I mean, I, I didn't. Uh, that, I wasn't bothered by that. You had the Clydesdales out of retirement, coming out through the that's snow. That's a great visual. Love the Clydesdales. You know, they delivered a wagon of beer. Uh, you had the Dove commercial where the young female athletes uh, fail and then they try again and they come back. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Ice Spice was in the Starry commercial. Starry was the soda. That's what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, hanging yeah. out at the club, and she was ambushed by her ex, the generic lemon lime soda, which is supposed to be Sprite. <laughs> that was a mellow that was yellow Ice guy. Spice, in case you don't know. <laughs> and, and CeraVe commercial. Now, I happen to use CeraVe. I'm not uh, uh, too masculine to admit the moisturizer. I like the moisturizer, CeraVe, and Michael Sarah. The perfect combination to advertise for Sarah V. I have 
I live with three women. There's a CeraVe bottle in every room in my home. But it, and you don't use it on your ashy I use, legs? I use, um, I, I forget the name of the brand I use. I use a different brand. Uh, I, listen, I, I don't like Ken Young. Uh, he bothers me. And he was, he was in a commercial that a lot of people like for Popeye's. I don't like him. Therefore, I did not like the commercial. There was uh, uh, Chris Pratt was in a commercial. There was the Bass Pro Shops commercial advertising the Bass Tracker fishing boat. And I'm in. <laughs> I know a guy who won the Bass Bass Challenge once. <laughs> oh, that guy from Jersey? Yeah. Oh, I know that guy, Mike Ozzolini. Yeah, yeah, so I, yeah, yeah. He's friends with my cousin. He grew up. With my, he went to high school with my cousin. Uh, all right, and then there was one of the. the uh, there was another one with that I liked, and I can't, I can't remember what it was, but it had some stars in it. Uh, uh, well, uh, oh, the Uber Eats, where uh, she forgets. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston forgets about David Schwimmer, and there were other things that. That, that like the reality wasn't reality. It was like I wish I could. And Usher was also in that. All right, so there you go with the commercials. Um, now let's look at some prop bets here, Super Bowl prop bets and the results and outcomes, uh, whether you had it or not. And we looked at some of these that we thought were good bets. So first of all, uh, uh, oh by the way, Lionel Messi commercial I thought was pretty good. Anything? The keg, the keg was kicked. And so he had to kill some time until they put the new keg in for him to get a beer. He's on the beach. Yeah. And uh, somebody throws him a soccer ball and he, he, uh, he out footworks the whole beach. You see that one? I, I, yes, I saw, I, that's one of the ones that leaked out before the Super Bowl. So I saw that. Okay. Prop. All right. So you saw the messy one. All right, here we go. Pre-game props, coin flip. If you had heads, you were a winner. If you had Reba McIntyre going over 86 and a half seconds, you were a winner. And if you had Taylor Swift not being shown on the CBS broadcast during the national anthem, you were a winner there. Halftime show props. First song, you don't have to call. If you had that, you were a winner. Last song, yeah. Um, And then Usher did not wear sunglasses during his halftime performance. First guest performer. I don't know how you could have predicted this, but Alicia Keys was the first uh, guest performer. And total songs performed were over eight and a half. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. Player props. First touchdown score. A lot of people had to have this one. Christian McCaffrey was the first touchdown score. Anytime scores. Of course, McCaffrey, Juwan Jennings, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Mecole Hartman. Patrick Mahomes, if he had the over on touchdown, he went over on everything. Over uh, one and a half touchdowns. Over 262 and a half yards. Over 36 and a half. Over 26.5 uh, yards rushing. Over 12.5 yards longest rush. Yeah, that was a, that was an easy one. I know, we were arguing about that. I thought he would break out for like 23 yards. And over 0.5 interceptions uh, was uh, Patrick Mahomes. Brock Purdy, of course, was under one and a half touchdowns and uh, over 247, over 30.5 pass attempts, uh, under 12.5 rushing yards. I thought that would go over, so I was wrong on that. And George Kittle. I went under on that total 50 and a half, and it turned out to be, what, he had six? That's ridiculous, Kittle. You should be ashamed of yourself, man. Yeah, he had two for four yards, I think. Two catches for four yards in the, in the Super Bowl? Oh, my God. Yeah. Isaiah Pacheco went under 65 and a half yards rushing, but Christian McCaffrey went under 91 and a half yards rushing. The defenses were really impressive. It was like watching a pitcher's duel. In the first half with the defense is the way they got out of there. And, of course, Super Bowl MVP, a lot of people probably have Patrick Mahomes. And the Gatorade color, out of the blue, comes purple on the Gatorade, Gatorade color for Andy Reid. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. Um, first penalty of the game was a false start. The uh, iconic Las Vegas landmark seen on the broadcast first. I don't know how you could have gotten this one, but it was the Luxor Pyramid, the Sphinx out there. Um, that hotel is a dump. I stayed in it once for work. <laughs> it's the worst hotel I've ever stayed in in my life. <laughs> uh, all right. By, by the way, speaking of Vegas, one of the times I was there, I covered a lot of events in Vegas, covered a couple of fights, uh, covered a couple of basketball games at the Thomas and Mack Center. Uh, and one time I was there, I don't remember what the event was I was covering, but I 
uh, I stroll into a Rite Aid drugstore to get something. And uh, I pull in, and this uh, this Roadster, this uh, this homemade kit Roadster, if you remember those things, uh, really gaudy looking, and uh, they're assembled by by mechanic, whatever. Uh, and this um, this uh, Roadster is pulling out of its parking space, so I I roll in, and I'm kind of waiting for the Roadster to pull out. The Roadster turns around and starts mother effing me, and and f you and me. I guess who it was Red Fox Red Fox was throwing the F-bomb at me for some reason he thought I was impeding on his way he's backing out of his space and start F-bombing me how about that that's a great story I wish I did a good Red Fox impersonation can't do it oh you did you used no, to I, I said I wish I could oh he's yeah, so well, like, you, all you gotta do is throw the F-bomb in sequence yeah. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, I'm coming for you. One of the great shows ever. Oh, the best. But every time I would look at Red Fox, I go, that dude cursed me out of parking lot of a right in Vegas. All right. I guess that's it for football. Anything to add, Darren, on the uh, Super Bowl? Uh, two things. Um, the, the Chiefs beat the 49ers with the same play they beat the Eagles on at the end of the game. They call it corn dog. And they pulled it out again, and they beat him on the same play. I thought that was really interesting. You brought up the Chiefs bar in Philly the other, earlier in the show. That bar, I, the legend of that bar, because you're like, why is that bar there? The legend of that bar is that the owner, when he was a kid, wanted a new bike for Christmas. And his dad was a gambler. And his dad said, if the red team wins, you get a new bike for Christmas. The red team was the Chiefs. They won. He got a new bike for Christmas. He was a Chiefs fan ever since. See, this is the kind of story that I used to blanch at when I was doing radio and people say, I'm a fan of the Chiefs because yeah, when I was four, my mommy bought me foot pajamas and it had the Dallas Cowboy star on it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> stuff yeah. Like that. yeah. All anyway, right. That's all I got. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, move on to our 76ers. Now that it looks like the roster, you can't look at it now. They did win against the Washington Wizards. To break that scheme, uh, scheme, but uh, we're gonna fast forward, and and the hope is you know, like this that everything will work out perfectly because Joel Embiid is gonna come back. So w w here is they actually have a ten man rotation. Now I don't know if they'll employ ten people, but I'm gonna throw the lineup at you, and you tell me whether you think this is a promising playoff lineup. Of course, your starters will be Tyrese Maxey and Buddy Heald. And Bede, Tobias Harris, and most likely Nick Batum at the four spot. You always need a guy who's a garbage man who stays out of the way. So Batum is like the Mark Ivoroni of this team. All right. Now, on the bench, Kyle Lowry is going to be signed. Will be your backup point guard. Is there anything left? He's 107. He may have like 10 to 15 minutes left. He may be able to make a three, take a charge. That's what he does. The backup to him. Is Cameron Payne when his first night had a good shooting night. And here's the thing about Cameron Payne. He's better than Jaden Springer. All right. <laughs> you know, he'd at least make a shot. All right. That's a Cameron Payne. But he's like the backup to the backup. Uh, Kelly Uber, you're off the bench. He's a mutt. I don't like him at a little bit. Melton's going to come back. Hopefully, he's got a back situation. Who knows when you come back from a back situation? Reed. And Covington and Payne. So there's 11. He'll probably play nine. I don't know who the nine will be. Covington probably won't get any run. So there you go. I gave you 11 players right there. That's the best case scenario. If they're all healthy, that's your 76er team and it goes into the playoffs. Darren, what do you think? I think they're going to have to score 140 points a game because I don't know who's going to play defense on the team. Yeah, that's well, you concern. got something there because Maxie and Heald are, are going to give it up. Yeah, to that's really what good I mean. You're going to have to light it up because they're not going to. Yeah, be and Lowry, yeah, sir, yeah he's, listen, he's 38. How much defense yeah. you counting on? Melton can D up a little bit. Oubre can't guard your mother. Paul Reed <laughs> still doesn't know what the hell's going on out hey, there. I don't want to hear any more filth about my mother. Up. <laughs> People are like, well, he's a great 3 and D guy. Like, at this point, he can't even walk Covington. 
All right, so they, so you, you can tell I'm down on the prospects because I don't even know if Embiid's coming back, to be honest with you, okay? So we'll just keep that on hold for the time being as the Sixers try to, to waste out the rest of the season. And I don't know what seed they'll get, but they're going to have to climb uphill because they'll lose a lot of games with no Embiid in the lineup. So it's going to be a tougher climb than being, uh, you know, having home court advantage by finishing in the top four. And that's not going to happen. All right, let's move on to the Eagles. So, so some news hit. Hassan Reddick all of a sudden comes out of the blue, and the Eagles are going to grant him permission to seek a trade. Uh, what, what do you make of this other than he sees the sinking ship and he wants to get out? And I know this is more about money than that. But to me, that's not a good sign that a guy wants out when a new defensive coordinator is coming in and maybe he, he can't fit that well. And, and Fangio's system, but what do you make of it, Mr. Football? I think it's a lot more simple than that. Uh, he makes about $15, $16 million a year. He wants $25 million a year. Well, the problem with that is that guys at his position who make $25 million a year, you can move up and down the defensive line. You can line them up over a guard. You can line them in the A-gap. You can line them over the right tackle. He has one move when he's successful. It's from the left end only. It's a speed rush, and he does what's called the bend. We've mentioned it here before. He's able to bend his body down and get underneath the tackle. And he's really good at it. But that's about all he can do. So I think, and by the way, this happens every offseason. There are players in the NFL in the last year of their contract that want a raise. The team goes, well, I don't know that I can give you a raise. But if you want to go out, seek a trade. Maybe somebody will give you that money. And if we can get adequate compensation, we'll move you. Same thing happened with Darius Slay last year. He went out, found the market wasn't there for him, came back to the Eagles. They said, we'll give you some more incentives, and he stayed. And I'm not saying that's going to happen with Reddick, but it's certainly possible. Well, listen, if they lose Reddick, who, who, like, they're going to have to get three oh, pass yeah. rushers. So it's, we're it's along a bleed-out. <laughs> it's a total oh, bleed-out. Really, it's ridiculous how weak they are at this situation <laughs> right now. Uh, and the I, other guy up is uh, Josh Sweat. He's got like another one. We got to pay him. He does not. He gives me Josh nothing. Josh Sweat right now. You got Josh Sweat. And you got Brandon Graham for crying out loud. All right. Now, uh, okay. Let's. Yeah, if Reddit goes, uh, your number one priority in a draft may shift from cornerback to defensive end like that. So that's a problem. Yeah, it's not looking good. That's a shame, um, but that's the way it goes. Uh, interestingly enough, last night I watched the real defensive end, uh, the thirty for thirty. I watched for the first time the one on Reggie White, the Minister oh, of Defense. Was I heard it's great. Night. I heard it's really good. Is it good? Yeah, I watched. I watched most of it because I'm in it, and I did see my part in it. And I got to tell you, I was spectacular. All right. <laughs> I would expect nothing less from you. I I blew the doors (laughs) off with my performance in that Reggie White, the Minister of Defense, in 30-30. You get a chance to see it. I'm on the screen for exactly two and a half seconds. But in those two and a half seconds, killed it. I I destroyed it. (laughs) But anyway, I have to laugh because he he used to get guys, the offensive tackles, he used to get them on their their leverage and then just – just swish him over with his right hand. Just, just toss, just toss him, toss him over with his left hand and make a beeline to the quarterback. Now that was a player, and that was the best defensive end, in my opinion, in the history of the NFL. All right, let's move on. Now we start with Mike Unleashed. I got a lot of things to say to you people, and Mike Unleashed. So let's start with with Mister Golf Darren over here. Who the last time we did a podcast was lauding all the organic reactions of the people that go to the to the uh, 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 WM Phoenix Open, where they have the the amphitheater and they boo, and somebody gets a whole one, they throw beer. And it's set an all-time low for bad drunken behavior to the point where they had a cut-off alcohol sales at a freaking golf tournament and then question whether they're going to have the event anymore. Your thoughts on that, sir? My thoughts are it may have – the tournament may have jumped the shark. You see what I, I mean? Had- you see what I mean? You give, you give a golf fan, when they don't respect the game and the quiet nature of the game, you give them an inch and you let them into to, to the Roman Coliseum-esque <laughs> uh, situation. They don't know how to act. And I've been trying to tell you that. And there it was. Got people sliding down the thing. A woman falling off drunk off the grandstand. Uh, idiots heckling the, the golfers. 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's this is why we can't have nice things because there's people to take it too far. It's a, it, w- it was. It had been a fun tournament, a lot of fun stuff associated with it, but it's way too much now. They cut off alcohol sales at like 11 in the morning in the final round. Uh, you had um, 30 people pass out, blacked out. You had a dozen people require medical attention, ambulances. You had a woman fall out of the grandstand onto the turf. Like, it just way, it got way out of hand. Let, You're let right. me ask you they're a question. Gonna, they're going to have restrictions next year. A, a ticket to a golf tournament is probably about $250. Yeah. Now, why would you pay $250 to get drunk on a scene? Like, does that make any sense to you at all? No. I want to go to the Phoenix Open so I can hang out with my bros and get drunk <laughs> and be obnoxious. And I'm going to pay $250 for that privilege. What uh, the hell is that? I, I I can't tell you you're wrong. I will tell you that people pay a lot more than that to go to NFL games and get even more blitzkrieg. Yeah. <laughs> but that's different. <laughs> that's not a golf tournament. You're getting rowdy because the action is rowdy. Yeah, yeah. The problem with the tournament is, and, and look, I said it's not bad to have one tournament where it's a little fun, but like this tournament is now attracting people who aren't even golf fans at all. They just want to get hammered and, like you said, be with their buddies. Let me uh, go over just a couple things, and I'm going to play one through my phone in a second. Uh, Two videos went viral. One was Billy Horschel yelling at some some fan who decided that it was a good time to just talk and be an obnoxious idiot while a guy is, like, right in the fairway in front of him trying to hit a shot. And Billy Horschel goes, yo, F off. This is our job. Be quiet. Can you be quiet and respect it? Respect our job? And, and he's right about that. Now, here's that poor Zach Johnson, all right? Now, he was the captain of the Ryder Cup that got smoked by Europe. Okay, what kind of an asshole would actually take the time to heckle Zach Johnson? Here's what he said. Urban Meyer is better at coaching in an NFL team than you are at coaching the Ryder Cup. So here's what he had to say about it. Let me pop it up here. Uh, all right, now hold on a second. This is Zach Johnson. No, don't, don't sir me. Somebody said it. I'm, I'm just sick of it. Just shut up. Grow up. He's right. Just, just shut what, up. I mean, what kind? What's? <laughs> what are you trying to prove? What is the payoff? You go, hey, Jack. Urban Myers, better NFL coach than you are Ryder Cup captain. What's the payoff of that? He should get punched in the head by whoever is is next to him. With his friend or whoever it is, that should that should totally be met allied. with violent behavior right against that guy, so he learns. Everybody, every now and then, needs a smack, Darren, and that guy did. Yeah, and this tournament, if they're going to have anything like it next year, really needs to beef up security. I mean, I saw like three knockdown, drag out brawls, fights. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it's too much. It's a Happy Gilmore. It was a Happy oh, Gilmore. Oh, you tournament. changed your tune. All of a sudden, last week, oh, I think it's cool, man. And the bros get together and (laughs) get drunk. And that's what's wrong with golf. It doesn't have enough of that. I I didn't say any of that. Yeah, you did. (laughs) You said exactly that that. last week. You implied it. It was so cool, man. It's so cool with the bros. Bros. (laughs) I have never said the bros in my life. We get the bros together, (laughs) man, and pound some beers. All right, <laughs> my ass, the bros. All right, let's let's move on. I always like to look at my tweets, the tweets that I get. A lot of people uh, seem to be unhappy with some of my views that I put out there, uh, but there's some that cross the line, and when some cross the line, I get really angry about it to the point where I really would love to meet this guy. I I I, I really because like when people are allowed to do this, they never learn a lesson. So I want to hunt this bastard down. I really do. <laughs> All right. So here's the tweet I got from somebody named Jay Driscoll. Now, Jay Driscoll, uh, I believe, if you know this guy, I want to know who he is because I want to find out who he is. Uh, and I want to uh, seriously investigate this guy. Um, he actually offered to meet me at a uh, Wawa near Woodhaven Road. So apparently that's where he lives. So I'm narrowing down the the thing for you. Here's what he tweeted. Out of the blue, I look at my feed, and this is the tweet. You should try hanging yourself on Saturdays. I'm sure it would make most of the city happy. Now, to me, that's over the line. And a guy like that 
should be made responsible for a comment like that. So if you know this guy, Jay Driscoll on Twitter, please email me at mike at mikemiss.com. All right? There you go. Uh, I'm guessing right, and on that young. note, Trent Cole posed uh, in Harrisburg a picture with Donald Trump a couple of days ago. I have nothing to say about that except I'm just letting you know that Trent Cole posed with Donald Trump. Um, so there you go. I have nothing to add to that. I think it's self-explanatory. Uh, and finally, well, actually not finally, but, you know, when you Saturday night and you look around and you scroll and you see the Big Ten Network wrestling at 9 o'clock at night. And it's Penn State, number one in the nation, versus number three, Iowa. And I'm going, oh, my God, that's Iowa. Those, you know, those, those Hawkeyes, they they grow them big out there with the wrestling. And, of course, Dan Gable was the, the, the big uh, uh, big wrestling name from Iowa, who was the coach there for a while. I'm going, wow, Penn State versus Iowa. This should be interesting. Darren, the Nittany Lions are a machine. Every wrestler, they, they lost two matches. They smoked them. I had six points in the whole match. The Penn State Nittany Lions get every great wrestler. And it's coached by Cale Sanderson, who was a legend at Iowa State. They're undefeated. They won like 61 straight matches. What a program. You see, I got to go to the wrestling. See what Penn State football has done to me? I'm lauding the wrestling program. That's a strong win against those Iowa court-eating MFers. Those guys are big. He's got this heavyweight named uh, uh, um, uh, something L I L V E L T. This guy is a monster. This heavyweight guy they have, he just crushes people. <laughs> you got to see, you got to get on the on board. Penn State wrestling is a phenomenon on campus. The, the the matches are sold out to the gills when they wrestle. I I I I wrestled in junior high. You you did. I did. I was, I think, a 112-pounder. There you go, 112ers. In eighth grade. But, you know, I, I, I know a little something about wrestling. All right. Tonight, oh, no, no, it was two, three days ago, the Atlanta Hawks versus the Sixers. I suffered through it like everybody else. I tune in. I'm intrigued. The Hawks were 70 points at halftime. They had about 25 wide-open shots. It was an embarrassing performance. So I go, I got to check out of this game. So I flip around, and there are two movies that I see. One is one of my top five movies of all time, which is The Sting, which is absolutely a brilliant movie with Redford and Newman. And then there is The Days of Thunder with Tommy Cruise as Cole Trickle and Robert Duvall and Randy Quaid and all these people. And I go, you know what? I've seen this thing so many times. I chose Days of Thunder in that moment. Was that a violation? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, <laughs> Days of Thunder is junk food cinema. Junk food. And I've seen it a hundred times, too. And it's entertaining. Very entertaining. But the Sting is so good. And I haven't seen the Sting in a really uh, long time. It is time. absolutely brilliant. It is actually, uh, let's see. It's, I rank, it's it's uh, third on my all-time list. It's, that's it's worthy. And I probably would have gone Sting because I haven't seen it in a while. For me, it goes Godfather, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, The Sting, uh, Deer Hunter, and Pulp Fiction. They're my top five of all time. You, and you, I don't think any like movie will ever get into that five. That You can take me to the grave and put that on my tombstone. It's not going to change. That's a strong five. I'd have to think about what mine are. That's a strong all right. And one last thing. Uh, I'd love to take some emails on this. I, want, I need your feedback. This is the kind of thing that I would, uh, when I was on the radio, I would ask for immediate feedback. But give me uh, email feedback on this, mike at mikemiss.com. Why in this city do we worship the mediocre player who shows the, like, over-the-top effort? Like, you might have thought that the Sixers traded Magic frickin' Johnson and Jason Kidd all wrapped up into one when they traded Pat Beverly to Milwaukee, the way this team reacted. Oh, they're going to miss Pat Bev's heart. He was the typical Philly player. What? He's a 35-year-old passed-around journeyman backup who talks a good game and has very little talent. Am I missing something? Is it, 
Is it that way in every city, or is it just no. in Philadelphia? I'm going to tell you exactly why. I know the origin. I'm not wrong about this. Rocky? Rocky Balboa. <laughs> That's exactly what the origin is. I'm telling you. The oh, my city, God. The, he's we, the native right, son. Oh, my God. We can't, we can't, how do we overcome? He's such a Philly player, and he's got this great <laughs> podcast. What the hell's wrong with you people? Recognize real talent. And while I'm at it, Jaden Springer. Oh, there's a promise. You can shoot better than Jaden Springer. Oh, yeah. What are you I talking about? Bell. We traded him to Boston. He's a player of promise. He, they watched him every day for almost four years. He's a player of promise. They were willing to trade him to a division rival who had like the 53rd pick in the, the second round. I knew no bell. I knew no bell, Mike. <laughs> Stop it. Real talent is different than bravado talent. All right. I'm done. I can't. I can't do it anymore. That's the end of Mike Unleashed. And that means we'll close it down for today. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Mike Mazzelli Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Uh, I like this one. I had fun today. Uh, thanks, Darren. We appreciate it. Again, you can get me on email, mike at mikemiss.com. I'd love to hear your feedback. You can check me out on Twitter, mikemiss25. I want to find that Jay Driscoll guy who told me to hang myself. I need him. I need I, I need to find out the identity of this guy because I want I, I, I don't want to like hurt him or anything or I don't want to hire anybody to shoot him. What I want to do is try to appeal to what makes him tick that he would send me some kind of a tweet like that. That's all. I just want to understand. I want to understand some human behavior. All right. So please help me out with that. And uh, I guess that's about it. If you want a personal shout out, I gave a shout out yesterday to a, a birthday uh, for, uh, for today. So uh, happy birthday. And uh, you can get me on Cameo, cameo.com. Put my name in there. I'll give you a personal shout out. I have a lot of fun with them. And uh, I think you'll like them. Uh, anything else, Darren? Did we miss anything? Uh, back later this week. That's about back it. Back later this week with, uh, well, I don't know well, what. We might get it. It's base, hey, pitchers and catchers on Wednesday, Mike. We can do a little baseball yeah, talk, is, maybe. This is kind of a bleak time now when the football is over and uh, you know the, the the waning days of the nba till you get to the playoffs and then spring training so this is right. kind of nothingville so it's going to be on us to entertain you <laughs> with a great podcast which we will hit on a big ass later this week That's have a, a big great ass. day everybody watch for that snow coming a little later tonight get that uh, get the shovels out uh, and have uh, and be safe all right take care mike missinelli podcast saying see ya Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissonelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.